Welcome to Maybe You're Interested, a weekly podcast where we discuss topics in culture, questions from scripture, or things that we just find humorous or interesting. This podcast is brought to you by Northview Church in Kodak, Tennessee, and you can reach out to us anytime by visiting our website at www.mynorthview.church. Thanks for joining us. And now, on to this week's episode. Well, hello and welcome to Maybe You're Interested, a podcast of Northview Church. And we are joined today, as always, by Mr. Jesse Kate. Say hello, Jesse. How's it going today? It's going. Good. Well, nobody's very interested in me. Won't we introduce our other guest? (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. We're also joined by Miss Lisa Ivy. Lisa works with, uh, well, just tell us who you are, Lisa, and who you're with. Um, I work with Street Hope, Tennessee. We are a faith-based nonprofit in North Knoxville. Um, we are dedicated to ending domestic minor sex trafficking in the state of Tennessee. So very important job. So we are happy to have her on the show today. I that far. It's a pretty important job. The, the organization is important. My job's not. Well, <laughs> I've known you long enough to probably agree with that. So uh, anyways, before we dig into our, the topic today, if you are joining us as a regular guest or regular listener, not a guest, and uh, you've not followed the podcast, if you wouldn't mind, go click that follow button, rate us. We've got like three reviews on Apple now, so we're kicking it out of the park. Is one um, of them Christy? Uh, well, I think it's me, Jesse, and the other guy who's <laughs> usually on the show. But who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but go follow us. Share it if you're watching this on Facebook. Uh, help us get the word out um, that this podcast is going on. And Elise is going to have some great material here for us today. Uh, so as you know, we, we tackle a well, you don't know because you probably never listened to us, but we try to tackle a, a main question of the week. And the question this week is, is your child or yourself in danger of sex trafficking? Now, that's not something I'm going to really think about very often. Yeah. Um, but Miss Lisa came and shared a training with us here recently, and it opened. I'd been through a similar training before, but still, it still opened your eyes to, to what's going on out in the world. So, so we'll just go ahead and jump right into today's topic. Uh, how real is sex trafficking in East Tennessee? I mean, most people don't think of East Tennessee as being a hotbed for, for sex trafficking. So how big a deal is it? Is it? Are we blowing it out of proportion or is it really a big deal? No, it really is a big deal. Um, and as far as numbers, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation estimates that there are 94 kids sold every single month in the state of Tennessee online for sex. Wow. Um, those are just the kids sold online. So <coughs> we know in the areas around us, it's even more. If you go down south to Atlanta, that number is about 250 to 300 a month. Wow. So there's a lot of trafficking happening in this area. Um, TBI, I think about a month ago, said they they have a hotline that you can call you can make anonymous tips um, that's statewide and they said about a month ago that in 2020 they had like 175 additional calls in addition to their normal mm. normal calls um, and 161 of those calls came from East Tennessee wow. so there's a lot that's happening in this area for sure yeah is there a hot bot hot bed as far as counties go or is it pretty well spread up across no East it's Tennessee? spread across the state um, there is not a single county in the state of Tennessee that has not had a case of sex trafficking that's crazy yeah Yeah. i'd always been kind of oblivious to it i'd shared with lisa that uh the uh, director of their organization had talked at an event that i went to and 
Um, I, I guess just growing up in East Tennessee and living in Strawberry Plains my whole life, you know, nothing really happens in Strawberry Plains, so you don't think yeah. of things like that. But then you think, well, there are three major interstates here, like 40, 81, and 75. So there's all kinds of room to like run around and stuff. So it really opened my eyes whenever I yeah. sat through it. Yeah, absolutely. So most average families are never going to even think about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not on my radar every single day with my, my children mm-hmm. that that's a possibility. So how big of a danger would you say this is to just the average middle-class family living in East Tennessee? Um, We hope that it's not a huge danger and we certainly (laughs) don't want everybody to to be panicked all the time and you know helicopter parent their kids. Yeah just so you Um, know you panicked my wife with that training. So sorry. So Um, I'm so So sorry. Braxton and Caroline are locked down now for the rest of their lives. God bless them. They've already got it rough growing up in your house. So I'm, I'm uh, totally Christy's a great mom. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so th- we don't want everybody to panic about this, but there it, there is real danger here because our kids have so much accessibility to yeah. the whole world online, yeah. and that is very different from how any of us grew up. So it's not you know the stranger danger that we used to think of. Where you know, it, growing up in the '80s, I think we probably all grew up in that time frame. Um, it was programmed in us like you see the white vans and you run and you you never know what's happening or what's coming um and so that was it's very different how things look today because that's not really what trafficking looks like anymore it's happening a lot online um or it's happening within families so there's a lot of it that is happening that online factor for the average family is going to be probably the biggest risk yeah so Kind of leading into that, what is the number one way that children are exploited today? You mentioned online. Is is it social media? Is it YouTube? I guess YouTube kind of is social media. I don't really know how that falls, but anyways. Yeah, I would say YouTube sort of falls under that category. Um, At least there's a lot of online activity and chatting that can take place inside of that. Um, In 2015 is the most recent stat that we have on this, but 55% of victims met their traffickers online. Um, Now, the organizations that we work with that work um, locally here in East Tennessee with a lot of victims, a lot more of what we see in East Tennessee happens familially. So it's happening within the family, within somebody that they know. Um, But Tennessee tends to be behind the rest of the country in all things. Um, (laughs) That doesn't sound right. That's not bad in every category. Um, Did you say football? I didn't. I didn't mean it. I love Tennessee Um, You just lost your three followers. Um, (laughs) So sorry. Um, But but we tend to be slower to catch up with the rest of the country. And so because of that, I think that that will just continue to move this direction um, as 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 far as online exploitation. And it still is happening a ton that way here. Yeah. So, did I? Did you say you work? You're working in the schools some, or dealing with schools some? Yeah. What What are you hearing from schools as far as what's going on? Are they seeing this happen in their own, in in our community, in our schools? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we every semester get calls from schools so we don't actually go into a lot of schools and teach we have a curriculum that we have created for health and wellness classes in middle school and high school Um, we're working on an elementary school curriculum it's going to be great it'll be a cartoon dog he's teaching about internet (laughs) safety Um, so we're working on that stuff but from what we hear from schools every semester we get phone calls we're having trouble with these apps Um, we're having trouble with our kids looking at porn on school devices we're finding out about these things and even though there's a lot of firewalls and there's a lot of 
safety measures in place on those school issued devices, our kids are smart and they yeah. just figure out ways around it. Um, and so we see these things happening. We'll hear about kids that just leave campus, you know, they should walk off campus because they've met somebody online and that's yeah. how they go to meet them. So we see it happening more and more in this area for sure. Mm, that's crazy. Um, so you talk about, uh, online being the primary means of it right now. Um, and how that's kind of changed in the, in the since when we were children. You mentioned some statistics in that training. What for the parent out there who doesn't think about it? Mm-hmm. What does a a team's online life look like daily? A lot, a lot of <laughs> it's it's overwhelming. Um, if you are a parent of a teenager and you ever look on your kid's phone on the Sunday, you know every Sunday the Apple shows you yeah. how much time you spend on your device. Even as an adult, it's sort of overwhelming to think how much time you spend staring at a screen. Oh, yeah. um, but the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry estimated in February of 2020 that teenagers are spending nine hours a day staring at a screen. Oh, that gosh. was right before the whole world exploded. Yeah. And so then we sit kids home and there's no school and they can't go outside and they have like if they didn't have a device, we gave them an extra one. So now they're just spending a ton of time in front of screens um, and really even estimates that that nine hours is spent staring at social media. So they're doing other stuff. They're gaming They're You know, there's other stuff involved with that. But the majority of what we see is happening through social media um, and and gaming is also a big a big component of that. Yeah, that surprised me when you mentioned gaming. I had never thought about that as being an an avenue for something like this you're a gamer well kinda. i know that, that you're a i know that's not in your kind of same realm yeah you're, you're old um <laughs> well ish old does that kind of shock you that it happens in gaming is that, is that something you would have expected honestly no like with all the live streams and everything that goes on with gaming now like it's so complex and um you know i lived in a in a place i know this sounds weird but in 2021 i used my old house we couldn't get internet it's easy so, to say it's not weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so from that time, which was, I think, 2016, to we just moved into our new house five years later, video gaming and the gaming world has changed so much that, like, I feel like I'm way behind on it. Yeah. And um, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. And, and you know, one, one thing I wanted to make, or one point I wanted to make, too, um, so Megan, my wife, she is a teacher at Lonsdale, kind of a low-income community in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. She's moving to Gibbs next year, but she's taught at Lonsdale for three years now. And, you know, we think about – I grew up in a Christian home with very supportive parents, and I was very lucky in that. And they monitored everything I did, not only, yeah. you know, on a computer or on video games or anything like that. But, you know, you have a lot of kids that were getting these devices from the school system, mm-hmm. and their parents just, I mean, you know, don't care what they do and don't pay any attention to what's going on with them. So there's no monitoring or anything like that. So I'd say, you know, that's something to think about, too. Yeah, yeah I know my mom doesn't listen to this, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> If this was a thing when I was a kid, my mom would have been terrible because she didn't know where I was at half the time. You know, it was it was the late '80s, early '90s. I was running around everywhere, she like most no, kids in the late '80s yeah, and early '90s. Yeah, she had no yeah. clue. Yeah, that's about when Jesse was born. But that's beside <laughs> the point. Um, so when these. When these teenagers, what's the age range, actually, that that they're typically targeting? So the most common 
age is 13 to 15. Um, it can happen any age, sure. but 13 to 15 is sort of that, that hot spot that we see a lot of trafficking take place. And eventually, now there is, you can be tra- sex trafficked at any age, um, but as far as the child trafficking, there comes a point that they sort of age out of the interest. Um, and so people that are paying for sex are not as interested in these kids Gosh. as they once were. And so they sort of really? age out of that. Um, and then they end up in some really, uh, they were already in a destructive cycle, but then they end up in an even more destructive cycle. So it's really, it's a very devastating thing for them lifelong if they don't receive the treatment that they need. Yeah. Are there particular things that predators are looking for um, in these kids' profiles or in their activity online? Or what's some things parents need to be cautious of maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So number one thing is they're looking for kids who are making comments about being unloved um, or like they're down on themselves. You know, nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. Um, And that is, to me, normal teenage behavior. Yeah, I was going to say, that's pretty much every teenager. Yeah, yeah. And I think the same thing, y'all. I I can't remember like a year of my teenage years that I could, could have said, oh, I didn't feel at some point every day unloved and said nobody got me no you know so so misunderstood and so our kids get on social media and they advertise that to literally the whole world and there are predators who look for those things and then they target it and they say nobody gets you but I do and they build a relationship with our kids when they're already vulnerable so that's a number one thing that I always stress to parents is have conversations with your kids about those things make sure your kids are talking to you or a friend not that they're sharing it publicly online um, and another couple things that they're looking for is things that look sexual in nature. They're, they're g- going to be drawn into that because yeah. it's already started. Um, right. So they don't have to broach that topic. So if the kids are joking about sex online, which they do, oh, yeah. um, if they're yeah. posting pictures or videos that seem sexual, um, y'all, if you, I mean, if you've ever been on TikTok or like anything related to that, yeah. most teenage girls are posting things that are very overtly sexual. Yeah. Um, but even the things that you wouldn't think about that like when we were growing up, I say we because now you've told me Jesse's a whole lot younger than us. Uh, <laughs> when we were growing up, like nobody would have posted pictures in their bathing suits. That is oh, yeah. like we would have been yeah. so humiliated if anybody had even seen that. You know, I think feel like girls my age, we would go to the pool and like wear T-shirts, you know, because we didn't want anybody to. Oh, my gosh. Like we feel so fat or whatever. You know, I guess that was just our culture. But kids now just they post those pictures all the time. And so there are people looking at those things and they don't think, you know, that's a cute bathing suit. Yeah. Um, and so the, even on the on the guys side of that, you know, the guys post pictures with their shirts off and they don't think anything about that because they're yeah. showing off their muscles and people see those things and they're not thinking the same things that our kids right. are thinking. Yeah. So that's average teenager activity online um, that doesn't have to come from any kind of a, a, a broken or a traumatic background, but it yeah. still has a real impact on on what could happen as far as lead ins for conversations with a trafficker. Yeah. Now You'd mentioned something in that training, which. Uh, I found very interesting about being careful about what what you're posting as a parent online. Um, And I know your children aren't in school Mm -hmm. old enough yet, but they're they're getting close to one thing she pointed out, which uh, really kind of opened my eyes to things. The first day of school thing. Yeah. Share a little bit about what that can review. Because parents out there, we all do it. We post that first day of school picture with 
the little list of favorites and all these things. Oh, so gosh. share some of the dangers of that that you, you talked about in that training. Yeah, so when my kids were going through school is really when this started to come around was those little chalkboard boards that yeah, you I've can get off, off you know Pinterest or wherever. Um, and so it includes your kid's name, um, what grade they're in, what their teacher's name is, what school they go to, what they want to be when they grow up, their favorite yeah. color. Um, you know, it's got a lot of information. And, and even from not necessarily the trafficking side, but just general safety with your little kids, yeah. that's a lot of information you're giving out online that anybody can access. So as, as an adult, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of adults use their social media for professional reasons. Um, and so they view it more as a business type of thing. Yeah. And so you're friends with your clients, you're friends with people that you want to be your clients, you're friends with people you went to high school with 30 years ago, yeah. Greg, um, maybe 50 <laughs> years ago. You're friends with people that you have known She's for a long wrong. time, um, <laughs> that you, you don't know anything about them. You know, I haven't seen a lot of those people in 25 years. I don't know yeah. if they've been to jail a hundred times since then or if they're yeah. on drugs or if they're a, mol- a molester I don't know those things yeah. um, so you're giving those people that access to your kids and their friends or whoever has their password you know mm-hmm. even if this is just if you have a private account if your account's public you've just advertised it to the world yeah. um, so it's easy for somebody to walk up to your small child and say hey I know your mom I've never seen you before. Yeah, Katie Ann, this is your mommy. I know her. best friends in school. Yeah, Yeah, and and to a four or five-year-old's mind, they're thinking, you know, my mom. Okay, all right, I'll get in the car with you. You're going to take me home. And so that just is a general safety thing. That's a huge thought of what are you oversharing about your kids? Even like as they get older, school uniforms, where they're playing ball. Ball season is the worst. Oh, yeah, I I see those all the time. Yeah, my kids were the same way. You know, your kids are playing ball. You want everybody to see the pictures. They're so cute. But you're like, we're at this ballpark. This is the team they play for. (laughs) Here's the schedule. (laughs) Come to all their games. You know, and so Mm -hmm. those are not high security areas, unfortunately, but it really can put your kids at risk. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not social media very inclined or anything i have a facebook and that's pretty much it and like you said like i have you just got internet six months ago i know okay. yeah and, and to happen. your point I, you know I'm, I'm friends with people that i went to high school with and i'm friends with a few people that i work with but um we've always taken and i more so than megan and now she does too but um we've always taken a lot of precaution as far as kind of what we post like i i don't like like we don't post vacation pictures until we're back from vacation because yes. I don't want anybody stealing from my house kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I never thought about that from the kids' perspective, especially I've seen, you know, a school just getting out not too long ago. I've seen all kinds of those chalkboard posts that you were talking about. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. But, mm. um, so what are some myths around this whole sex trafficking, human trafficking thing that maybe people aren't aware of that need to be debunked? Yeah. Any of those that you can think of that you need to share? Yeah, there are a lot. Um, I feel like the majority of what I do in the prevention, education, awareness side of things is talking about what sex trafficking is not. We hear about it on social media. We hear about it on the news. Um, Most of what you're hearing about sex trafficking is not accurate. So people have the idea of it being snatched and grabbed. That's what I think of. yeah. Yeah. And so we 
the the word trafficking is a little bit misleading in that we think transport when we think trafficked. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to be transported to be trafficked. You can be trafficked in your own home. And most kids that are trafficked are trafficked in their own country of residence. So the idea that we're taking kids across the border, yes, it does happen, but sure. that's n- n- by and large not the majority. Um, and so those are a couple of big things. Also the myth that um, most trafficking victims are female, which is not necessarily true. Probably proportionately, it's more female than male. But the the sad thing about this is that the supply exists because of demand. And so there is a demand as much for boys as there is for girls in pornography and prostitution both. Um, So that's another thing. And the other big thing that I talk about inside of of trainings that I do is that um, people have the idea that, that kids that are being trafficked um, want to be recovered out of those situations. And so like we're one of the things Street Hope is doing is that we're building a safe home, a residential safe home for girls that are age 12 to 17 that are rescued out of trafficking. And they'll live with us about 12 to 18 months. They'll have trauma-informed care. We're the only ones in the state of Tennessee that have this available and, and will open by the end of the year. Um, but people have this idea as they hear us talking about Garland Oaks, this house, that we're going to rescue these girls. We'll bring them into the home and they're going to be so excited to be there and just thank us. And, you know, we're their heroes. And that yeah. is not the reality. Um, most victims in trafficking situations do not self-identify as victims. Um, they think they're in a relationship. This is somebody oh, that loves me. Um, I am like, like, for example, we have um, an officer with Homeland Security that's on our board of directors mm-hmm. and um, they recovered a girl who was like 14, 15 years old that had been trafficked from this area um, with a man who was in his 50s. They caught up with him in Reno, uh, Nevada. And so when they found them, this girl said, when they caught us, we were in our truck. That's her perception. We, us, our. And this is a man she's met online who's 40 years older than her, who's abducted her from her family for, for the purpose of trafficking. Um, so most victims don't see themselves that way. And especially if it's a family member that's trafficking them, you yeah. know, for, if this is your mom, which y'all, this is, this is something I heard just recently. I didn't recognize this, but, um, in familial trafficking situations, 90% of the time, the trafficker is mom, which is wow. not what I would have expected. No, it's um, not at all. You're thinking creepy uncle, you yeah. know, you're thinking like it's, it's a step parent or, you know, something like that, but no, it's, it's wow. mom. And most of the time it's generational. This is how they've survived. And so they don't even recognize that they're trafficking. They just think we need rent. And so if you sleep with my child in exchange for us to live here, that's how we get by. And so that a lot of times if it's a family member that's the trafficker, you're not thinking I'm a trafficking victim. You're thinking this is my mom. This is my dad. And so that's a huge myth that people have is that, you know, like I said, we, we recover these kids and they're super excited. They estimate about 18 to 24 months for trafficking victims to sort of reprogram the way they think um, with some really intensive trauma care just to be able to help them function and, and to start a new life again, which is ultimately what we want. We know the Lord can restore them. Um, So we want them to be able to live a normal and healthy life from that point. I think the the social media part doesn't surprise me at all, like any of that stuff. But I think the familial really does. I mean, and especially now that you said ninety percent of the time it's the mom, and I'd say that's that's really hard. And I know, like you said, God can do anything; He can restore anything. But they have been basically programmed from the time that they came out of their mom until whenever it's happened. Like this is how we live life. Yeah. And how hard is that to kind of reset? So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What are some ways we can be safer 
and guard against this threat? I mean, you've mentioned quite a few already, but can you kind of summarize that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as far as online activity, be involved in what your kids are doing. If they're gaming, sit down and game with them a few minutes a month. You know, you don't have to play video games with them every night, but if your kids are at that age that they're playing video games, sit down with them 10 or 15 minutes a month, and you know what's happening in the game that way. You know, for some some dads are gamers, some moms are, you know, but, but a lot of parents are not. Try to get involved in that. Figure out what they're doing. Know their friends be involved in their schools um library was my way in um so that was my sneaky way to get into my kids schools i would volunteer in the library once a week so i knew what was going on at their school most there is somewhere in most every public and private school that they need help find a place if you're able during the day to volunteer or even in the nights get to know your kids friends so you know who they're communicating with so when you see people that you're like "Mm, (laughs) i'm not familiar with this person (laughs) it's gonna raise a red flag for you um but but even just if you're, you know, for, for parents, a lot of parents are working multiple jobs and it's hard. They're just trying to survive yeah. in that. Um, but network with other parents as much as you can, because that's another great way. If you if you feel creepy following your kids' friends on social media, because some people do feel awkward about that, uh, network with their parents so that you can say, hey, I noticed something weird on my child's account that your kid was doing. Do you know about this? Yeah. Um, and expect them to do the same for you. So those are just some, some small things, but I think that those are things everybody can do the biggest thing is talk to your kids um because you you want to keep those lines of communication open with them you want them to know if i do something stupid online because they will not necessarily stupid to the point that they're going to fall into these situations but our kids are going to do dumb stuff they're kids we all did it yeah um we didn't have social media to track ours though thank the lord Lord. yes (laughs) and and like really i mean we've heard enough greg stories we know he didn't i wouldn't be a pastor now if it was social Uh, media (laughs) So, like, we want our kids to know when they do that stuff, come to us first. Know that we're not here because we're going to stomp you and crush you and punish you. We want to help you when you do the dumb stuff. There's grace in that. Um, And really the biggest thing is... Like our kids are going to be fascinated with something, you know, yeah. that's we're, we're designed for that. So what are you teaching your kids to be fascinated with? Are you teaching them to be in love with Jesus every day? Yeah. Or are you teaching them that social media and the things of the world are what we're consumed with? Cause we're staring at our screens all the time. Right. Um, and I say that like with every finger pointing back at me, it's easy. It's easy to be consumed with that. And you're, you know, yeah. mindlessly scrolling, but we want our kids to learn from us at home we look at Jesus. That's this. This stuff is temporal. You know, it, yeah. it passes away. But Jesus is the one that that keeps us, and praying for our kids is how we keep them safe. Yeah, and one thing we've been talking a lot about recently is discipleship and how we just feel like, you know, that's one of the missing things from the church a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And um, I think so many people come into church and expect to be fully discipled at church, but no, discipleship starts in the home. Yes, and your kids get to see you and observe you they get to see when you're not at church and they get to see what you're like. So I think that that is just a paramount importance on stuff like that. So true. So are there any stories on this topic that you'd like to share with parents that maybe would give them a little more insight into what's really going on? Sure, absolutely. So um, a couple of things. One that we haven't discussed yet is that foster care is a big component in trafficking victims um, because 
first of all, there's been a trauma there. And this sure. this really, please, please don't mishear me on this because it really has nothing to do with the foster family. Um, there are great foster families out there, as you, as you well know. Um, but there are situations where the child has had something traumatic happen in their life, whether it's that a parent has died or they've given them up or they've, you know, been taken away. Something traumatic has already happened there. So the child already has trauma. They go into a foster home where there's that time that it takes to connect really especially for older kids you know um they don't feel like these are my people this is not my my real family didn't want me so why would these people want me so there's you're already dealing with that boundary um and so traffickers will prey on that that vulnerability and that that in in our kids um so there was a situation that happened in knoxville in east tennessee a girl who was around 14 that was um, met her trafficker at the mall actually and this was a couple that was trafficking so she met the woman who introduced her to the man that was trafficking um and they for about a month built relationship with this girl run away from your foster family we'll take care of you come live with us and so she did and she's you know 14 years old runs away from the family she doesn't feel like is a family and about three weeks into this they said okay it's time for you to start earning your keep and they took her to a truck stop very close to here and started selling her and she's 14 so where does she go in that scenario you know this is things that are really happening but the kid doesn't know who do I turn to at that point so they feel stuck and they feel trapped Um, and really that's why victims don't run away is because they feel like there's a dependency on the trafficker um, whether it's that the trafficker has gotten them addicted to drugs which will happen and now they have a chemical dependence or there's a financial emotional they're afraid Um, so a lot of that is taking place Um, and another thing thing just to consider inside of the gaming you know I know we've talked about this but our kids are disclosing a lot of information while they're gaming and I always try to point out to parents like our kids are smart and so if you have a teenager especially even a middle schooler that gets a message from somebody on social media written out that says hey where do you go to school most kids are going to say hey you're a creeper I have no idea who you are I'm not telling you that yeah but when you have a headset on and you're playing Fortnite, and yeah. you're in the middle of blowing stuff up and you're trying to beat this level and somebody's saying oh yeah I go to this school where do you go your kid thinks he's talking to a 13 year old he yeah. starts sharing information and so it's a lot more natural in that gaming situation yeah. to share those kinds of things um, and there was a situation that happened in middle Tennessee where a kid was playing Fortnite, and everybody left the game except this kid and one other person and the other person said hey I'm Billy cousin I go to another school so he starts showing him shortcuts in Fortnite or in Minecraft and Mm so for like three weeks they're playing Minecraft together he's showing him all the shortcuts how to build all the worlds Um, about three weeks in he starts talking about his body and Billy's cousin things are happening to my body it's weird me out the kid says I think it's normal that's part of puberty and he says well send me a picture because I feel weird about this so the kid sends him a picture this 13 year old boy sends him a picture and immediately this guy says I'm not Billy's cousin I'm 35 years old I do not go to a different school. If you don't turn on your webcam and do A, B, C, D, E in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to send this picture to everybody you know. And the kid is going, you don't know that stuff about me. And he's like, yeah, this is where your parents work. This is your address. This is where your brother goes to school. This is your pastor's name. This is your homeroom teacher's name. Because for three weeks, and that's all it took, three weeks, he's been grooming this child to get information from him while the kid thinks he's talking to a 13-year-old. Um, and thankfully, in that situation, the parent had a friend who was a TBI agent, and the kid told his dad, which was the best yeah, part of the story. Yeah, that's what I thought of, um, yeah. Because most kids wouldn't. And yeah. they found the guy that had done this. He was on the sex offenders registry. Yeah. 
Um, so he's not supposed to be communicating with kids, but you know, we see how well that has worked. Oh yeah. And he had done this to over 50 other kids before they caught him. So those are the things that our law enforcement is dealing with. So y'all, as you're praying, as you're thinking about things to pray for, pray for the people who are having to go through devices. It's hard to look at this from, um, just the standpoint of research, it, it's overwhelming sometimes, you know, but I don't have to do a ton of that because I research and then I go out and present. But the people yeah. that have to, to go piece by piece on, on people's devices to find the, the things that are really the most heinous things that you could imagine. Yeah. I, I've asked agents that I've talked to that are believers, how, how do you do this and not just become incredibly hard hearted? Yeah. Um, and they say it's just lots of prayer, have lots of people praying for them. Mm-hmm. So pray for those agents because there's a lot that they have to deal with. Yeah. Um, but that you know those things are are really happening through through the avenues of particularly gaming like i said where it's easy to have those conversations and so those are things that we want to be cautious about with the gaming devices i recommend keeping them in central locations in your house you know in the church we said that 20 years ago with computers because of pornography Um, so we're saying the same things now with your gaming consoles keep them somewhere where parents can hear what your kids are talking about online um and that's, a, that's definitely a big deal. Monitor those friends lists on everything they're doing. Make sure you know who the friends are. What's well, a sobering conversation to have? And uh, it's yeah, a scary it world that we're living in. It seems to be getting scarier every single day. And every time that we hear stuff from you, it gets worse. So thanks for that, Lisa. <laughs> well, I think you spoke to uh, the point of, you know, just talking to your kids and having that relationship with them. Um, you know, I thought whenever you're telling the story about the kid playing video games, I thought, okay, well, he was too ashamed or too embarrassed to tell his parents and wondered what kind of trouble he would get in. But yeah. thankfully, it sounds like his parents did a really good job and just saying, hey, come talk to us about this That's stuff. That's probably a rare. Yeah. I think if I was 13, I probably would not have went and talked to my parents, same. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be the same. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's why we do want to have those conversations with our kids so they will. Because yeah. like you said, most of these kids get – 50 100 a thousand pictures deep before they're so overwhelmed somebody finds out yeah um and and in a lot of these situations it's not just i'll embarrass you if you don't do what i want it's i'll hurt your family yeah um so there's law enforcement has actually coined the term sextortion because it's happening so much that kids are being extorted for sexual reasons Mm. online that they've they've made a word of it um so that that's definitely something to consider but but like in that scenario you know 50 other kids that hadn't told their parents that they didn't know there was a situation um that i read about just recently just within the last month in the news there was a trafficker in chattanooga um an adult man who was busted because he was trying to traffic a girl who was in new york the girl told her mom and he ended up getting caught through that same thing there were like over 50 60 kids that he had been trafficking before this girl happened to tell her mom so you want your kids to be the one that tells yeah. you know because it's not just them that they're saving there there's just oh, literally absolutely. other kids that yeah. that walk out to freedom behind them yeah I think I'm going to throw away every console that's in my house <laughs> is what I'm taking away from this. <laughs> you got a few years yeah, before your kids are old enough. Yeah. To, I don't ever. Land, so. Yeah. I don't yeah. ever want parents to think yeah. like, don't let your kids get on the internet. <laughs> they have to. They do. Um, and they're going to need it eventually. Yes, yeah, they are. Make sure you want to move back to your old house without internet. <laughs> right. No, that's it really does. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, we really just, does. we're not bad parents. We just don't. <laughs> it's where we live. We, you're, it's a, it's a very important work that Street Hope yeah. is doing. So yeah. could you give us some qu- a quick background on Street 
Hope? How long you been around and yeah. how you're fighting this? Yeah. Um, Street Hope has been around since about 2015. Don't quote me on the year because I wasn't working there then. <laughs> um, but we've been around for several years. We were birthed out of several churches that went to Passion um, in Atlanta. And okay. Christine Kane came and talked about A21, which is her international sex trafficking ministry. And so several Knoxville churches were there and they came back and they got together and said, nobody's doing anything about this in Knoxville. And so they started to pray. And that was really all they were doing at the time. I say all they were doing. It was huge. Um, But that was, we were birthed out of a prayer movement. So several churches got together and prayed. um, And then we became an organization. We've grown since then. And so really since 2017, we have seen substantial growth. Um, We have been able to pay for the house that we've just built in cash. We're raising capital right now for the first two years of operating expenses. So we want to have that before we open the doors. Um, But the Lord has just been so gracious with everything that has happened. We, we know that his hand in, is in this work. It has nothing to do with us. We're yeah. just gracious that he lets us be part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are, so we're building the house, Garland Oaks. That's a huge part of what we're doing. Um, my part is prevention. And so I, I go and do trainings anywhere, anywhere yeah. that'll let me, I'll come talk, um, yeah. which, you know, I like to hear, hear, talk, hear myself talk. So <laughs> there's that. You can cut that. Um, so <laughs> so I, t- I go into do trainings. We do trainings on domestic minor sex trafficking, what it is, what it's not. Um, we do internet safety for parents, for students. We'll come and talk to your kids. We try to provide resources that you can have it in your house. If you know if you don't want us to come, we try to provide recordings and videos and curriculum. Our curriculum is available for free for public schools. Most public schools in this area are using it, but for private schools, for co-ops, homeschool parents, if they want it, reach out we'll make sure that they have it Um, and it's a video based curriculum so we make sure that parents you know it's easy it's easy to walk through it with with conversation built around it Um, and then we pray still once a month we've actually got a a prayer gathering this week so we get together and pray once a month anybody can come to those Um, but yeah we're just trying to really get out in the community and let people know what trafficking is and and how they can help us to fight it so what are some ways that well first how can a church help yeah in this endeavor so pray is is number one pray for us um but we also have church partners that are either monthly or quarterly donors um they'll partner with us financially they partner with us um just with some volunteer hours from time to time they help us promote events if we're doing fundraisers things of that nature um so that's a huge way that churches can support us um the way that individuals can support us and this is sort of a strange answer but stop being consumers and i know that's sounds crazy because most people hear that and think I'm not a consumer I'm not paying for sex pornography is the driving factor in sex trafficking so if you're looking at pornography and it's happening in the churches y'all this is that's just the world we're living in so if you are looking at pornography of any kind if you're watching things on tv that are pornographic in nature and y'all I say that knowing when we grew up the things that are on tv now Oh, everybody yeah. would have blushed at right. and it's just become more and more mainstream yeah. and so as a, as the church the global church the way we fight this is we stand up against the places where it's become regular and mainstream yeah. and our kids are being exposed and exploited because of that so that's really the number one way um, but we we of course as an organization we have volunteer opportunities you can um, find information on our website streethope10.org we try to stay pretty active on social media despite the fact that we encourage other people not to. Um, but we've, we try to keep our information up to date and let people know about opportunities to serve. We have a banquet coming up in September. That's our big fundraiser we do every year. Um, we'll live stream it, but we'll have um, 
church sites where you that are hosts so you can oh, come to awesome. the church and watch it you can host it in your home and have a group in your home if you just want to watch it on your own you can do it that way um so we try to try to raise money through that but also we just really want people to be aware and help us spread the word host trainings and that's awesome it's a great ways to get involved well, it's probably not a fun conversation to listen to or to have, but it's an important conversation that we need to be aware of as believers. And if you're a church leader and you're looking for a way to get involved, um, our church, Northview Church, has uh, already agreed to move into a partnership with with Street Hope um, beginning in our new budget year. And if you're a church leader, you pray about that and consider whether that's something your church could look at or, or maybe a one-time gift or maybe just some man hours to help them or promotion whatever it may be whatever your church can do because you know this is a an issue that i know as a church we can't fight it on our own yeah. um, we don't have the resources or the know-how to do it so we want to partner with those who do so if you're a church leader consider that pray about that and be in prayer for street hope and and for the agents um, that are dealing with this and gosh it's such a big issue that we don't we're just barely scratching the surface i believe um if you've got questions about this you can always reach out to lisa would you share your email address lisa yes. i don't know if you wanted to do that it's, but i'll just put you on the spot <laughs> it's lisa l-i-s-a at streethopetn.org and it's all over our website too so it's yeah. easy to find me yeah and if you've got questions about northview church you can always reach out to me greg at my northview.church and if you don't have a church home we'd love to have you come check us out we meet every sunday morning at 10 30 a.m um, right here in person or you can join us online on facebook live every sunday morning as well at 10 30 a.m um, and if you've got any comments or questions about today's topic, feel free to reach out to us, private message us, email us, just mention it in the comments on Facebook, and we would love to hear from you. You got anything else to add, Jesse, before we close out this week? No, I don't. I just want to say thank you for joining us today. And I think that uh, this will really up our numbers here. I think we'll get uh, – we've got an interesting topic today. so It's an interesting we'll and an important topic. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I thank you for, for coming on short yeah. notice. I asked her about yeah. two hours before we started this. So. This is great. It was fun. Thank yeah, you all for so having thank me. You for, thank you for being here. And uh, that's all we've got this week. We will see you next week for a brand-new episode of Maybe You're Interested. 